It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. We're here at MJ BizCon day one at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Um, I am here with Robert Beasley of Fluent. Correct. Fluent, that's a, a multi-state operator based out of Florida? It is. We are operating currently in Florida, Texas, uh, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Our headquarters is in Miami, Florida. Okay, it's in Miami. Um, let's start with Florida. I just found out that Florida is quite the market. I had no idea. I know that there's a company out there, I won't name them. They've got sales at $1.1 billion in medical sales in the state of Florida alone. I had right. no idea. Been in the industry a little while, but those numbers shocked me. Um, tell me a little bit about why you got into Florida and where you think that market might head. So Florida is still a medical market. Uh, there's talk of recreational all the time, but, but no real promise of that legislatively. But it's a big state. It's a highly popular state. One of the benefits is, is in the licensure requirements for new patient registration is that a secondary home uh, qualifies the patient. So Florida being a, a, a market that and all of South, Southern Florida is inhabited by folks with their second homes from New England and so forth, uh, we get a big seasonal push uh, starting now. Um, and a lot of those folks that have medical cards elsewhere come down to Florida. They enjoy having a secondary medical card in Florida. And that allows our market to remain much stronger than the actual registered patients that we see uh, within our Florida population. Uh, and that's what does it. It's primarily the secondary home business that Florida's known for. So MSO, you guys are going to multiple states, obviously. Michigan is rec. Can you kind of explain um, maybe the market for Michigan and how that maybe is different in the north versus south? Um, how would you compare an emerging market, I mean, they're all emerging markets, I guess, everywhere you're at. How how are you treating those markets differently? They they are emerging, they are different in, in many different respects. You know, because the evolution of uh, legalized cannabis is by state, then each state has its own regulatory scheme, each state has its own regulatory agency. Those agencies are more or less active or supportive as you go state to state. Whereas in Florida, we enjoy a Department of Health that is very supportive, very active, very responsive. Uh, Pennsylvania, on the other hand, we're just strictly retail. It's a great, robust market. The consumers there have readily come to cannabis as a medical market. It is possibly soon to go wrecked. There's talk of that. But that agency is not as supportive. They're not as timely and supportive as approvals of our marketing initiatives and so forth and so on. So, whereas in Pennsylvania, we have a, a readily acceptable consumer and a very strong market, we don't have the regulatory support. Go to Michigan, which is a totally different animal. The regulatory issues in Michigan are such that it is known that a huge volume of illegal product has come into that state um, with very little uh, horizon for the regulators doing anything about it. And so what that means for the consumer and for us operators is price volatility. You know, you usually can anticipate uh, in Michigan, Michigan's an outdoor grow state, outdoors permitted. So in all of the outdoor states, you have a croptober, which is a big harvest date, which as cannabis being treated like a commodity drives pricing down. Uh, we saw that in Michigan last year, we expected it. What we didn't expect is the 30 to 60 million milligrams of THC that illegally were brought in, thereby driving price even down below what our expectations were. 
So until those regulators in Michigan decide to start stepping up their enforcement activities, uh, and you see this out in California and Oregon. Oregon is, Oregon is the best example of, of failed regulation and enforcement. Um, that, like it or not, we're partners with those regulators. In any highly regulated industry, our profitability, our economics are dependent on them doing their part. And we're not seeing that in Michigan. So we just have to adapt to it. Michigan's a strong market. It's, it's, it's got a great consumer base. Um, it is now REC, which is, has an adult use component. I think Michigan is, is worth being in as far as an investment. Um, we just need the volatility to subside a little bit. Is Florida worth being in? I've been critical of the Florida market being an, an armchair critic. What I mean is I, I don't have um, the knowledge or, or experience of being in Florida, but my perception is that when I look at a dense flower being grown in a, in a um, human environment, I think powdery mildew, mold, and lots of issues. So I have made the bold claim that Florida is not going to work out long term when you have federal legalization and, and you can have cross-border. Not I'm not talking about Canada and Mexico, just like within the U.S. Am I wrong? You're half right about the science. You're speculating, as we all are, about the politics. So let's go about the science. Cannabis doesn't naturally grow in Florida. Cannabis doesn't like wet feet, and, it, and, and the flower structure is such that mold and mildew is a problem. Luckily, or, Ill, or not luckily, we, we can't grow in, in outside in Florida anyway. It's not legally permitted. So we're growing inside either a true indoor facility or a greenhouse, something with structure. Um, what that causes us to have to do in Florida is we have a, a versatile uh, diversity of pr a production plan. So we have some greenhouse products that go to oil. Those products, we're gonna be able to allow the, the PMs to, to be a little bit more prevalent. Whereas our flower product has to come out of indoor and because we have to control the environmentals, which means we throw a lot of dollars per milligram at that product by virtue of utilities. You can see utility bills in uh, Florida running as high as 60,000 a month for one of these facilities. That comes down into a higher price per milligram of production. So you're right about the science of growing in Florida. It's tough to grow there, to grow this product there. You have to be indoors. The part you're speculating on is that which everyone's speculating on, which is legalization versus decriminalization. So if, if you talked about legalization at a federal level, meaning it's now legal federally, and that there's some kind of federally administered agency or program, you're probably right. The fact is, is then the Interstate Commerce Clause allows cross-state borders and shipment, all right? That was likely a threat at one time. The problem is, is now you're more likely looking at a federal decriminalization. The Safe Banking Bill passes, some of these other acts pass. It's not that it's legal as much as it's no longer federally criminal, uh, criminalized, because now so many states have such robust programs that are different, and they're already administering their own programs. It's like the insurance industry. Insurance is legal federally, but it's administered by state law. And, and so what, that is more likely the outcome at this point, which means Commerce Clause is applicable, but states get to, to, to put in protective measures to protect their own state enterprise. That probably saves us, truthfully. Because if that did not exist, if true legalization had occurred early on, you're absolutely right. I, the crops that I grow outdoors in Oregon are better than the product I can grow indoors in Florida because Oregon, Southern Oregon, Northern California is actually the perfect growing environment. And so they do beat us on the ground if, if the laws evolve that way, but I, th I think we've missed that point. Okay, and tell me about your strategy in Pennsylvania. You were applying, so vertical integration is, is when you can grow 
manufacture and sell all at the same time. Washington State does not allow that. It's one of the Petri dish experiments that people avoid. Uh, I'm sure you aren't going to touch uh, uh, any Washington State with the 10-foot pole. But you went to Pennsylvania regardless. You applied, I'm assuming, for all licenses available, but you only got a retail. Walk me through that process. Was that disappointing to not be vertically integrated where you can have seed to sale? How does that impact your strategy and will you remain there? It, it does restrict your business model. You know, if you're truly vertical, then you're seed to sale. We are that way in Florida. And it is, it is both a blessing and a curse. The reality is, is that it's very difficult and very capitally intensive to be an agriculture company a manufacturing company and a retail company all in one company. You know, the points of entry of all those three components are very expensive with the retail being the least expensive. So if I wanted my biggest return for my dollar, then I'd just go retail. And so it's the easiest entry. You're talking about sticks and bricks, a location. You buy wholesale, you sell retail. You don't make anything, you don't produce it, you're not a farmer. You know, if you're a farmer in this country or any country, you, you have a lot of risk that you have to encounter every day. So if you want to get into a safe, low-cost entry scenario, you get into the retail. So the fact that we did not get all of our vertical licenses in Pennsylvania, disappointing, but we got the one that we wanted, the one that counts, because the retail is, is where your lowest cost of entry and your highest return on your investment is. Um, would I like to expand in Pennsylvania? Absolutely. It is a great market. Um, the consumers there readily came to cannabis. It's the ticket prices are high. It's just a really strong, robust market that's being supported by the regulators. Um, but it's the same reason that all of the big MSOs have already have already bought up in there. All the mom and pops are gone in, in Pennsylvania, and now the next couple buys we just saw with the Cresco buys are going to be very expensive. What is your crystal ball prediction for consolidation? next year and beyond where are you going to go are you looking at distressed assets in the west coast you know you mentioned oregon you're already there or are you going to continue with these new emerging markets where do you see the potential the 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 highest margins and and the best value for your expansion so consolidation is here but it's an odd consolidation right now. It's what I call an internal consolidation. All you see is the industry internally to itself consolidating. We have, we, that's, that's the phase we're in. It's necessary, it's essential. Um, there, there are a lot of people who, uh, smaller operations who receive the license. Everybody wants a license. I, I hear this all the time. I'd love to get a license in Florida. And I said, really? That's a ticket to spending another 50 to $80 million. You know, do you really want that ticket? Because can you, can you handle it? Well, they go, should they go to Oklahoma? Yeah, so Every, they could go to a lower. Everyone's handing out licenses there. So what? Right, but what then do you of recommend? course your return of investment is is more difficult when you have so much competition. So again, we're partners with those regulators, restricting the number of licenses to allow us to grow into a return investment on our capital is essential. Otherwise, the market falls apart, uh, and the state loses ultimately. So, but 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 your question is uh, related to the license or overall consolidation. This is first phase consolidation. What we haven't seen is second phase consolidation, which is as these bigger MSOs start to gobble up these small mom and pops, there's other industries that are still bigger, you know, tobacco and alcohol, uh, uh, big pharma, they're not in yet. That's second phase consolidation. And that's where some, some mind boggling numbers are gonna come, come through because they want in, they just can't get in because it's inconsistent with their regulatory, uh, other regulatory uh, practices. And so consolidation will be in two phases. Um, the first phase is, is where we are now. There's still plenty of opportunity 
to apply in those frontier states. The frontier now is the southeast. Alabama, uh, Georgia, although it had a limited rollout, it's going to have more licenses. Virginia, North Carolina, that southeast market is still up for grabs. You know, if you're a, if you want to get into this market um, as an applicant, that's where you need to go. You need to get your politics aligned because you've got a fair shot. You know, the what happened in Georgia with TrueLeave kind of hiding behind another uh, a shell, if you would, it was legal. They didn't do anything wrong. It was kind of frowned upon, though, by those people who, who wanted Georgia to be supported with by uh, its own licensure. Um, I think you'll see Alabama and North Carolina them being a little more aware of that practice. Um, I think what it does is it levels the field so that an Alabama farmer has a legitimate chance to get to get a license. Um, and they're going to have the opportunity to enjoy entry into the market, growth, and then probably consolidate. Uh, I think that's where I think that's where it ends up. Um, out West is kind of a disaster right now because of everyone has a license, everyone's trying to sell. What it's doing is, you know, economics are taking over. Um, supply is up um, and pricing's way down. You have to produce a supreme quality product to be competitive out there. And so what it does is, you know, it's people think, oh great, everybody gets a license, but they don't realize that they're, in, they're inviting this field of competition that they almost can't compete in. Um, and so you have a lot of failed enterprises. That's what happened in the hemp model early on. You know, you had these enterprises that, that got in, they just, they didn't have a market and everyone could get a license. Okay, interesting. Are you going to be uh, publicly traded or are you going to remain private? We are publicly traded are now. Publicly traded. That's right. We're listed on the CSE and the um, OTC. Okay. What's your stock symbol? Where can people find you at? Uh, so the parent company is Consortium. Um, so the, the ticker is T-I-U-M. Okay. Uh, that is the last four letters of consortium. Okay. And Fluent is the brand name that it does business at uh, and its product lines are issued in the vertical state. And remember in Florida, we're vertical. Florida is the bulk of our business. We, we cannot stock other products. We have to stock our own product. So it goes under the trade name Fluent, uh, which is the logo of the FL. Okay. Where can people find you at? If they're interested in your brand or if there's some distributors, strategic partnerships, investors and the like, where are you at, either social media uh, or otherwise? So we're in all the social media. We're, our website is getfluent.com. Um, and we have an investor relations tab there that they can click on. We constantly monitor that email. That email actually comes directly to me as well as others. Um, and so I'm continually watching that input and we get opportunities all the time. Um, you know, some we take, some we don't. Um, but we're, you know, we bite that. We're in an expansion mode. You know, we, we've taken the time we need to get stable and, 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 and solid um, and we're ready to compete. Um, you know, we're kind of in that mid tier. We're ready to compete to get into that next tier. All right, we're going to put uh, Robert's information in the description. Uh, you can look at uh, Fluent and Robert at, on LinkedIn. We'll put all of that in the description. So with that, I think we're going to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Robert Beasley with Fluent. Appreciate you being on The Talking Hedge. Thank you so much. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. 
I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.